Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. All right, we're going to continue this morning a series that we started last week. We're calling it Unwrapping Christmas. The uh, premise of this series is we're talking about these gifts that are kind of uh, innate in the Christmas story. They're intrinsic to the story of the birth of Christ. And we're talking about what does it look like to take these gifts that come in the birth of Christ and to make them where they're more than just knowledge, but to unwrap them, to put them into practice in our life where they are interwoven into our lives. They affect every part of our lives. And last week, we talked about the gift of God with us. Uh, We talked about the gift of the presence of God with us, how uh, not only did Jesus uh, in, in his coming, Uh, bring the presence of God in the flesh. But Jesus told his disciples in John 15 that I want you to abide with me, abide in me, to be present with me. And then right after that, he said, and by the way, I'm going away and you can't come with me. It's actually in the same dialogue that he has with the disciples. He says, stay present with me. By the way, I'm going away. Because when Jesus said to abide in me, It was never about physical proximity to Jesus. It was about spiritual proximity. What he was saying was, uh, be present with me. He turns around and says, and when I go away, the Father will send the Holy Spirit to you. That's how you remain present with Christ uh, throughout all of this. We are invited to walk in the gift of God with us, to remain present with him in all times through the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right? Uh, This morning, I want to talk about the gift of, of the gospel. Somebody say gospel. Uh, In the New Testament, the Bible talks about the gospel or the spreading of the gospel over 125 times. And Paul talks about it a ton in the book of Romans. That's where we're going to come from a lot this morning. But the first thing he says in chapter 1, verse 1, is Paul says that I have been set apart for the gospel. Now that word gospel, if you want to write it down, I actually have it on the screen. If you're taking notes, it's a Greek word. It's pronounced uh, euanglion. Uh, do you have that on the screen? I think I put it, yeah. If you want to write that down, that's, we're going to come back to that a little later. Uh, Doug, I didn't have you translate that one for us. I put it there for you. But it means good news. It's where we get the word uh, evangel or evangelism, uh, evangelist. Uh, it all comes from this word, which is talking about the good news. And in uh, Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I have been set apart for the sake of the good news. Now, what I would say to you is that Uh, This wasn't something that was specific to Paul. Paul wasn't saying that God has called me and me alone to be set apart from the gospel. I think what Paul was saying was, I recognize that I have been set apart from the gospel. I think this is all of our callings when we put our faith in Christ, is we are set apart for the sake of the gospel. It's just a matter of recognizing it. Paul goes on to say in verse 17, he says, uh, if you can put this on the screen, that uh, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And then he says, righteousness that is by faith. Now, I want to break this down a little bit. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, uh, within this gospel that we're talking about this morning, within this good news, the righteousness or the, the way that we achieve right standing with God, favor with God, the means of that is revealed in the gospel. And then he says, this is how. It's really hard. Faith. He says it's, it's through faith. Uh, what that means is earning is taken out of the uh, equation. Working for it is taken out of, taken out of the equation. Uh, Paul would say elsewhere that it's, it's called the gospel of grace. And then he says, in fact, 
he says, I'm so astonished that you could turn so quickly from the gospel of grace because when you turn to any other gospel than the gospel of grace, it's no longer the gospel at all. Uh, he would say in uh, Ephesians, I think it's chapter 2, verse 8, that it is by grace we have been saved through faith. So he's saying the same thing that he says right here, that it is when we place our faith in Christ, we, that's how we um, achieve right standing with God, and that makes it grace because it's not at all based on our works. Grace is the unearned, the unmerited, the undeserved favor of God, and it takes earning out of the equation. You need to understand that this morning. And this is all, Paul says, this is revealed in the gospel. Uh, I wonder this morning, have you ever had trouble uh, making a decision on something and then you learn like one factor that just kind of pushed you over the top and you said, if I would have known that from the beginning, uh, I would have made the decision a long time ago. I call it the all you need to know moment or the all in moment. See, I have this dream that one day Emily's going to come home in the holidays and she's going to say, let's get an artificial tree this year. <laughs> now, Emily will tell you that that's actually more of a pipe dream than a dream. But to me, it's still a dream. I'm, I'm keeping the faith, keeping the hope. Uh, but this week, she said, hey, you have an afternoon off. Let's go get a, a tree. So we had some friends. They told us about this uh, tree picking experience that you can have. Uh, this is true, and it's something that's straight out of a Hallmark movie. Uh, you go to this place, and you, you turn off the highway onto a gravel load, uh, road. It's lined on both sides with four-foot candy canes the whole way down. And you, you pull up to the location, and then you, you hop on the back of a hayride, and a tractor pulls you through an enchanted forest. I added that part, but it feels that way. It pulls you through an enchanted forest, and you get to the Christmas tree farm, and you pick your tree, uh, the perfect tree. You cut it down. You take it back, and then this is true. They engrave your initials into it because that's necessary. They engrave your initials into the tree. You get back on the wagon, and they pull you to this barn that is fully decorated for Christmas, and they have prepared for you coffee and cocoa and cookies. Does that sound like a Hallmark movie? And then, everybody's favorite part, you pay. And you pay. <laughs> if you get a decent-sized tree, you're going to pay over $100. Now, Emily loves these type of things. Uh, one of my favorite things about Emily is that she works really hard to create memories for our children. So for her, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, what's $100 to create memories for your children? But then someone else sent her an email or a message. They said, there's another place that you can get trees. They said, now this place, uh, the trees are pretty awful. Uh, you don't go looking for the perfect tree you go looking for the least embarrassing tree. But you just take a $20 bill and slip it in the box. And Emily had her all I needed to know moment, $20. That's all she needed to know and forget everything else. I am all in, we're going to that location. And last night we decorated one of the worst trees I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Um, I was trying to think of a way to describe it to you. Have you ever seen National Geographic? Can you turn it on? And there's a picture of a snake that just swallowed a deer. And it's just like lumps and stuff all over. That's our tree. It's a snake that swallowed a deer with ornaments hanging on it. But in verse 16 of Romans chapter 1, 
The gospel has this all you need to know about it moment. In verse 16, Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The moment that Paul writes this, the gospel has the power to save. That is all you need to know. If you believe the Bible from that moment, you should be all in. That word salvation, it's actually a loaded word. It means deliverance, health, and healing, and safety, eternal salvation, and redemption. And Paul says that within the gospel is all of this. Your deliverance, your redemption, your healing, your salvation is all within the gospel. And then he says again, it's the very next verse where he says, all of this is simply through faith. Your deliverance and your healing and your redemption. You don't have to strive for it. All you do is you take your little muscle called faith and you place it in Jesus Christ. He says salvation is available to all who simply believe. Church, this should be an all I need to know moment. If you believe that salvation is within the gospel because the Bible says it, then I need to know nothing more to say I am all in on what the Bible says about the gospel. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul writes that it's within the gospel that we find our source of hope. Uh, Jesus, you remember uh, in Mark chapter 16, it was his last words to the disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach this gospel, preach this good news to all of creation. The entire book of Acts is the story of early believers and their efforts to take the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said uh, concerning the end times, he said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What happens in the New Testament is it takes this good news, this gospel, and it makes it the focal point of everything. It's our hope, it's our salvation, our healing, our redemption. And I love in, in Revelations, in the book of Revelations is John having these visions of the end times, the end, the end of the age. And remember, Jesus just said that the gospel will go all over the world before the end comes. John says something really interesting when he is having a vision of the end times. In uh, Revelation chapter 14, if you'll put it on the screen, John said, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation, tribe, language, and people. So Jesus promised the gospel would go all over the earth, then the end would come. And we get to the book of Revelation, and John is having this vision, and he sees an angel at the end of time taking the gospel to every corner of the earth. And you're here this morning, and you say, Pastor, what does this have to do with Christmas? And I'm glad you asked. We're going to read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone uh, went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room avail available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, if you'll go back to verse 10 and put that on the screen for me. He says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. Do you want to know what that word is in the original language? Euanglizo. It literally means the proclamation of the gospel. When the angel met with them that day, the angel said, today I proclaim to you the gospel. He said, the gospel that will cause great joy for all the people. And he says, here is where the gospel begins. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Today, I proclaim to you the gospel. God stepping in the humanity, putting on flesh. We talked about this last week. It wasn't a, a human who was born and one day decided it was, he was God. It was God deciding that he would become human. He started in a place of deity. And it's this gospel where God is born in humanity that God says, for that good news, I have been set apart. For that good news, it is through that child that we receive righteousness uh, with God. Paul says, within that child on that Christmas morning is the power for salvation and redemption and healing and deliverance. That gospel is our source of hope. That gospel is the one that Jesus said, you take this everywhere with you. It's that gospel that John was proclaiming in the book of Revelation. I still see the angels at the end of the age taking that message through the whole earth saying the eternal gospel, the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ, God stepping in to humanity. And church, it is this gospel that you have been set apart for. Do you believe that this morning? That just like Paul, you have been set apart for the gospel. That means you have been separated. Uh, literally, it means that a line has been drawn and you are on this side of that line. You are uh, within the boundaries of the gospel. You have been separated. Uh, the uh, question we have this morning is, how do we unwrap this? How do we move this from a place of, okay, I understand it, I acknowledge it, it's there, to a place where it is affecting how we live our lives when we walk out the doors? To a place where it is so woven into our being that it affects everything, every part of us? I want to read you uh, something Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 34. Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
Now, the image here of literally losing your life is not something that we have to contend with here yet. Uh, elsewhere in the world, it is something that people are contending with. But this image of self-denial, of denying ourselves for the sake of the cross and the sake of the gospel is absolutely something we face every single day. And that, that phrase, self-denial, I don't know if there's a more un-American phrase in the Bible. Self-denial sounds terrible. But I don't think that Jesus was ever walking with his disciples and had a teaching in mind and thought to himself, oh, this is going to make him miserable, <laughs> and then just throws it at him. No, Jesus talks about abundant life. And I think when Jesus talks about self-denial, about denying ourselves, denying our own comfort for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of being set apart and taking the gospel to everyone everywhere, I don't think it's a matter of, I want you to be miserable. I think it's a matter of, this is a secret to the kingdom of God. If you would understand that when you stop just grasping onto your life and refusing to let go and making yourself uh, numero uno, when you are the focal point of your own life, your own comfort comes first, what happens is your comfort slips away. As much as you try to grasp onto it, it begins to slip away. And I think what Jesus was saying was actually, if you will elevate the kingdom of God, if you will elevate the gospel of Jesus Christ above your own comfort, above your own needs, and make that the primary focus of your life, you'll find life. That is where you find life, not by searching for life, just by setting the gospel where it belongs, above everything else. You know what they did in the New Testament? The gospel message of Jesus Christ, it became the focal point of everything. Do you know what it means for you to be, to, to be set apart by the gospel for the sake of the gospel? It means that the gospel message of Jesus Christ becomes the focal point of everything in your life. Renee, can you go ahead and come? Paul wrote in the, the book of Corinthians, he said that we are Christ's ambassadors. And it's as if God were making his pleas through us, as if God were speaking uh, through us and imploring. Uh, we are imploring on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Do you know what he's saying? God has made us ambassadors of this gospel message. He's taken that gospel and he's placed it in your hands. And he said, if you will begin to deny your own comfort just on occasion, he's not saying be miserable, but if you will just elevate the gospel to the place that it belongs, you'll find the secret. Jesus said, that's where you find life. And that is actually our calling, church. You are ambassadors, ambassadors of the gospel, ambassadors of the kingdom of God. What does it look like? My kid always talks with his hands, and I think I know where he gets it from the more that I stand up here. That was just a side note. Church, you have been set apart for the gospel. What does it look like to unwrap this gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is revealed on that Christmas morning? It means it becomes the focal point. It means that, uh, that your life centers around the gospel message. Your marriage, the gospel of Jesus Christ is central to your marriage, to your work, to your relationships. Church, it, 
I think it's important the next thing he says right there. This is good news, and it brings about great joy. That is vital, church, to understand that you haven't had something thrown upon your shoulders to make you miserable, but no, you've been given the message of great joy. Can you stand with me this morning? Father, my prayer this morning is that you begin to reveal to us ways that we can elevate your gospel to where it's more central to our lives. That you'll teach us, God, to even deny ourselves and our own comfort at times for the sake of sharing your gospel, whether that's by word of mouth or by deed. Again, Lord, I pray you meet us in this place in Jesus' name. Just as Renee leads this church, I challenge you to enter into worship. But, but ask God to, to begin to, to reveal to you ways in your life that you can make the gospel message of Jesus Christ a central figure. Maybe there are places in your life that you say, this is a struggle for me. My marriage is a struggle. My workplace is a struggle. Mentally, it's just a struggle every morning I get up. What happens when you take the gospel message of hope and salvation and redemption and you insert it into the, the, the issues in your life. Just allow the Holy Spirit this morning to speak to you and to show you these things. Uh, the best example I can think of right now is, is, is I've been uh, playing basketball uh, occasionally lately and uh, what I find is that I just don't have it anymore. <laughs> I've, I've reached that point. And occasionally there will be someone on my team who is really good. And, and, and I get to that point where I just say, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to let that guy take charge. So there's two forms of surrender. One is when the other team is beating you down so bad that you just say, I surrender. And the other one is when you have somebody on your team that is so amazing that you just say, I'm done, you lead the way. And when we sing these words, it's not that Jesus has beat you into surrender. It's that he's saying, I am on your team, surrender to me. This is a beautiful surrender, church. Church, can you, I almost want to tell you to smile as you sing it because this is a beautiful moment of surrendering to a God who loves you, to a God who sent his son for you. Church, it's beautiful. Can you sing these words? If you're not smiling on your face, smile in your heart because it's a good thing. Church, as you leave this place, go out with joyful surrender. You are on the right team this morning. Lord, I pray as we go from this place that we just carry your gospel everywhere we go. I pray that we're like Moses who came down from the mountain and Lord, there was just something about him, Lord, the presence all over him. I pray that your presence would be all over us as we leave this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said,
Church, thank you so much for being here. We're going to do it again next week. Does that sound fun? Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.